Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer on a busy week for PTFC as the offseason looms. A couple of major, obviously newsworthy events coming out of this week. Uh, On the Timbers side, the hiring of Phil Neville as the club's next head coach and the controversy swirling around that and the reaction and responses and everything else that uh, has has gone on over the last few days there. And then more importantly, the Portland Thorns playing in a, in a major NWSL semifinal game, uh, losing to Gotham FC, who are headed to the championship uh, against the OL Reign. So an Ali Krieger versus Megan Rapino uh, send off match to finish off what has been an exciting NWSL season. But unfortunately for fans of the Portland Thorns, uh, the Thorns will not be there in San Diego for that championship uh, and came up short of, of both of their stated goals this year being the NWSL Shield and uh, winning another title. So, you know, starting on, on the Timbers side, uh, we're fresh off of the press conference that Phil Neville and Ned Grabavoy held uh, to introduce Phil as the new head coach of the Timbers. Uh, international attention. I mean, there's British media paying attention to this and writing about it. There's <laughs> local media. I mean, it's 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 sort of become this this even bigger conversation uh, around the obvious issues here that that have been discussed ad nauseum and that have um, received their share of takes. Uh, some of which I think have been, you know, really thoughtful, uh, particularly and and not just because he's my coworker and because I think he's a great guy, but Bill Oram wrote a column on uh, in reaction on OregonLive.com uh, about the about the issue that I thought was was very prescient and, and sort of cut to the core of what fans are thinking right now and what, what the community is feeling sort of about this decision. Um, and, and Phil Neville, you know, had plenty to say in that press conference. I won't obviously quote every single thing he said. He's, he and Ned spoke for like 45 minutes. Um Bill actually joked that the presser might go the full 90, which was a, a good, you know, soccer joke. Bill likes that's, to that, include that, it. That's good work for somebody parachuting into the soccer world. Bill, Bill exactly. of course, is 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 strong in the arts of of puns and the like. And so, you know, the no surprise. But but, you know, nice little soccer soccer pun. Right. And so, you know, coming out of that press conference and just just as things settle and the off season truly begins for the Timbers. Um, you know, what, what were your impressions of what we heard from Phil Neville and Ned Grabavoy and where the sort of club goes from here? I didn't have a ton of takeaways from the press conference, to be honest. I, it was, uh, I think very much as expected. Um, uh, there wasn't a whole lot there that I, that, that I heard that I didn't think we were going to hear, you know, as, as reputed Neville seemed like a pretty charming, affable guy. Uh, I think basically everybody in the room and and most people who watched sort of came away with that assessment. Uh, but that's very much as expected. Uh, y- you know, I think uh, the answers that we got on the questions, which I thought were good about the um, the, the the tweets, uh, were you know basically what we've read before uh, and how he's addressed those questions. The Timbers, I thought, didn't say much, and Ned, I thought, didn't say much in terms of how they considered the effect that that would have on fans in making this hire. Uh, I think he, he, you asked a question, and uh, one other person, it may have been Annie Peterson, uh, very likely would have been Annie Peterson, who is just an absolute pro, uh, 
you know, uh, sort of invited them to to go into that, ask questions about it, and and Ned dodged both times, uh, and and went in other directions. Uh, you know, relying on the old advice where if if you don't like the question you got asked, answer a different one. Um, and that's largely what 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 they did when those questions were asked. Uh, and and so you know, uh, uh, that was I mean, frankly that was as expected. Uh, I don't I would have been surprised if they had addressed that issue head on. Oh, uh, they didn't. And so, you know, as expected, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised that Neville was so dismissive of his time at Inter Miami. You know, he said on one hand that that finishing sixth in 2022 was his greatest accomplishment as a coach or a player, which <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seems like it might <laughs> overstate the issue slightly. <laughs> Oh, uh, I I don't know if that's the case. You know, that wasn't a, a terrible roster that he had in Miami that that year. It had real problems with Gonzalo Higuain, but in the second half of that season, and this is probably to Neville's credit, at least to some extent, he did get on track and was very good for them. They had uh, a still in form and producing Alejandro Pozuelo. Uh, they brought in Gregor, I think, a, a, at that point, and so it was a solid roster. Uh, and they finished sixth in the East, and then got absolutely smacked uh, by NYCFC in the first round of the playoffs and had a 90 minute playoff experience. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, which is a perfectly, I, I suppose, creditable thing, but I don't know about greatest accomplishment as a coach or yeah. player. Yeah. And the reason that he sort of pointed to that was the sanctions that enter Miami received, which was the biggest in MLS history and obviously a big deal. But at the same time, like you, it's an easy thing to point to, right. To, to say, Oh, that's, why, yeah, and, you know, and, and, you know, he, he has, he has asked Timbers fans to sort of judge him on, on his performance with this job because he feels like he's on more level footing now than he was in Miami, which I think is, is fair to a certain extent, okay. but by that same token, like he had, <laughs> he had a chance, he had, he had some resources in Miami. And if they felt like, you know, he was the guy to carry them into the future and maybe behind the scenes, Messi didn't have a preference in terms of who his coach would be wink, wink. Uh, then, you know, maybe things would be different and he'd still be there and he'd still be working with David Beckham, somebody who has a really long standing relationship. Maybe with. they're also in last place <laughs> and that's, that yeah, tends to get exactly. coaches fired. Uh, yeah. you know, Messi or Beckham, notwithstanding, uh, you know, I I do want to address the sanctions point because it's I, I think it's easy to make more of it than I think it should be. Yes, the sanctions that MLS imposed on Miami were both a well deserved and b genuinely limiting in terms of what in terms of Miami's roster flexibility. I guess I should say uh, they lost a, a whole boatload of, of allocation money. They didn't lose all of it. They didn't lose the majority of it, but they lost a lot of it. Um, as a result of of the sanctions from their really blatant cheating in their first year before Neville uh, and Chris Henderson arrived in 2021. So like, you know, I, I acknowledge all of that. The bottom line, though, is that the sanctions that were imposed on Miami are were no more limiting in their roster build than the sanctions that many teams self-impose <laughs> by choosing not to spend, right? They were not more limited in building the roster than San Jose or Colorado or many other teams. I mean, my goodness, Orlando this year finished second in the East and looks like a team that is going to be a very difficult out in the MLS Cup playoffs, even though they have not three, 
not two, not one, but zero real DPs. They have not a single player over the TAM cap. That is a more significant self-imposed roster limitation than anything that Miami had to deal with while Phil Neville was there. And so, yes, it is true that there were roster issues in Miami. Yes, it is true that many of those things came from the sanctions that were imposed. But Miami also still had the fourth highest payroll in MLS in 2022. Like... Come on. It wasn't impossible. He said it was impossible to win. It wasn't impossible to win. <laughs> it, it, it may have been more challenging than it otherwise would have been. It may have been absolutely a disadvantage as compared to the teams who are maximizing their their roster spend and who are maximizing uh, their flexibility by pushing all of those resources into the table. Like I, I totally acknowledge that. But it was not impossible to win. Uh, and, and frankly, like that line kind of, kind of like got me a little bit. Cause I, cause they, I mean, look, it, it's one thing if a coach is saying, yeah, you know, I mean, there were limitations there, but, uh, but we fought hard and I, I certainly learned some things we'd hoped for a different result, uh, there obviously, but, uh, you know, I feel like I'm taking a lot of experience, uh, from that and lessons that I've learned from that into this exercise into this project that wasn't the message <laughs> it was just pay no mind to the man behind the curtain <laughs> like don't don't talk to me about 2021 or 2023 i'll talk about 2022 uh but no we're not talking about 2021 or 2023 um uh, come on like it's just not credible yeah. and it doesn't show the kind of growth frankly that i think you would want to see from a guy who comes in without much of a track record of success. Right. I, I think that sort of, um, that sort of indignation about past results and, and past actions is sort of uh, a fit to, to the place that he is, is arriving in many ways. But it, additionally, I, I think that, um, you know, from, from a soccer standpoint, you know, this, this is, probably an even more limited situation than maybe he faced in, in Miami, just in terms of, you know, the ability to spend on the roster and the willingness shown in the past to spend on the roster. I mean, look, the investment in Evander was, was tremendous. It was $10 million. It was a lot of money and they've met, made major investments elsewhere, but you know, there are other glitzier places in MLS that are frankly spending orders of magnitude. He's not going to have the fourth the highest payroll in MLS here. No, he's not. And, and, you know, he uh, he joked about like um, when when Andy Peterson asked him about sort of his wish list for the roster, he joked. He's like, oh, yeah, I want three full DPs. You know, he he, ta he talked about it like that um, in a obviously joking manner. But really, the there's going to probably be like two major moves at the most, probably from the Timbers this offseason. You would you would think just given the you know, state of their roster and the money that they have to spend. The first one being the, the attacking DP, which I think is, is more likely to happen than not, whether it's a center forward or a winger, you know, still remains to be seen according to Ned. And then they talked about backline depth as well. And those, those are like the two quote unquote major moves, you know, they still, goalkeeper as well, you know, I can, would think goes in there. Yeah, 
goalkeeper you would think, but it was not mentioned by Ned when he was asked, you know, a couple of times. So that I think that's interesting to note. Um, there are other moves that are going to happen inevitably, like some guys are going to depart the club. Like we, we could find out more about names like Sebastian Blanco, Larry's Mabial and others in the next couple of weeks. Um, and it's probably more likely than not that those guys would depart just given, you know, where the team is at and trying to sort of reset its roster. Um, so there's more that's going to happen, but it's, it's not sort of going to be these game breaking moves and that, and that's why there was expectation setting on both his part and on Ned's part, right? The, the line that, you know, people have heard repeatedly over the last couple of years is, uh, is we're closer than people think, or that we, we're, we're like a move or two away from sort of this, this area, that area or whatever. And, and I don't think that the results of the last two years are terribly, you know, in line with that thinking (laughs) given, (laughs) given that they haven't made the playoffs. Um, but that's that's sort of the expectation setting that's happening right now you know, right? is that they think that the roster as currently constructed, it's like, oh, we just you know what we need is is just instead of Gio Savarese, we need Phil Neville and then maybe a couple yes. of new guys and then get rid of the old guys. Um, and then things are going to sort of the switch is sort of going to flip because, frankly, the staff is going to be basically the same as what Gio had adding Jason Christ in there instead of um, Carlos Yamosa. So, which is interesting. Um, that's obviously not official yet. And I'm not saying something out of turn here. It's just it's what's been, been reported, reported by, it's been reported that it's, it, they want to add Christ as sort of the last addition to the staff, uh, along with miles Joseph and Liam Ridgewell, uh, and, and others, um, you know, so it's, it memo Valencia is, is also going to be on the staff as well still. So it, I mean, structurally, things are going to look pretty freaking similar <laughs> to the last couple of years. And so the thing that, you know, that I thought was interesting about that is it. And, and, and I didn't quite know what to make of this at the time. So I'm sort of talking you through talking this through with you live. Oh, people are seeing the sausage making. Uh, did you think that that tone was different than what we heard from Grabavoy? a week or so ago in his initial postseason press conference, it struck me as a little bit different. I, you know, the, the feeling that I had coming out of that first presser was that they were sort of acknowledging that there were going to be sort of deeper changes in, in the roster this year, that it wasn't just a matter of being, you know, a move or two or three away from uh, being, having the roster in the, in the position that they wanted to, to be, that they did acknowledge that there were bigger changes that needed to be made. And it, it, that struck me as different, but I, I, you know, I mean, having not been at either of these things, you know, I thought maybe that could have been me sort of layering on my own expectations um, in the, the first time and then having those disappointed the second time around. Did you think that there was a difference in message between those two pressers as well, or am I just out to lunch here? No, you're, you're not out to lunch. I, I think that there definitely was a, a sort of tonal shift there. It wasn't sort of this major shift and expectation setting on, on the level of, Oh, maybe some stuff fell through and now they're, they're sort of backing off of their previous position. I, I think that, that grab position remains relatively the same. I, I think he, he did dial it back a little bit compared to that heading into the off season press conference that he did by himself a few weeks ago. Um, but it was also Neville's perspective. I think that guided a lot of the conversation uh, and, and Neville, you know, was praising a lot of the guys that are already here, you know, Evander, Santiago Moreno, 
said that those were two guys that he tried to get when he was in Miami, uh, which is interesting, but not terribly relevant to how he would use them in, in terms of, you know, being the coach. But, um, you know, his perspective is that they, you know, have, have sort of the pieces to, to contend right now. And part of the argument was the idea that there is so much parody and, you know, up and down movement in MLS. But part of the acknowledgement from him too, was that there are, you know, 28, 29 other teams that are going to be spending this off season, uh, making those moves and getting better. And they obviously have to make several moves in order to get better than where they've been the last two years. They can't just trot out the same group again. And I don't think they will just trot out the same group again, but that type of expectation setting does happen when you don't think that a slew of game changing moves are on the horizon. When you think that, yeah, realistically you're going to do some stuff, but it's not going to just be like a complete roster overhaul, which one could argue is probably warranted <laughs> in a lot of ways, given how the last not, couple not of years have gone. There, there are, they missed the playoff t- playoffs two years in a row. There are really good pieces in place and good young players who, sure, and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but there's a decent amount of bathwater. No. Yeah, there's drain it. Yeah, yeah drain the tub. <laughs> but at the at the same time, um, yeah, I mean there there are still a few guys that you know definitely you can build around. You know, you think about guys like Chara Paredes, um, Zach McGraw. Um, it would have been Zuperichia had he not <laughs> requested a trade, yeah. which we don't really have an update on that at this point. Um, you know, more as as a as a backup nine or starter if you choose to go with a more of a wing focus guy um you know evander moreno like those those are all good pieces but you need way yeah, way more than you need that a lot, if you want a to lot get more than close that. and it, it, i i think this is probably overwrought at this point so i i acknowledge that at the front end but it sort of reminded me of last se- last off season a little bit because you'll remember last off season immediately coming out of the gates the messaging and there was a lot of this through uh, our good friend at the athletic Tom Bogert that this was going to be a big active off season for the tempers that there were going to be lots of changes and then it just didn't happen <laughs> and then they kind of just they over promised and under delivered and this kind of felt like and this is probably PTSD <laughs> from uh from uh from that experience and 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 I acknowledge it's it's a little bit early to jump to this conclusion but I kind of felt like sort of dialing back the expectations that they themselves set just a week or two ago oh um, so we'll see uh I mean we'll see what happens on on the player front uh, I did like uh, to just to you know to point out something that I did like to hear from from Neville Neville was was really straightforward about the fact that he thought that getting this offseason activity done early so that they can have the team together was important and was important to try to combat some of what we've seen from this team in the past, which is slow starts. Oh, and I, I, I think that's, I think that's good. I mean, that's honestly, it's, it's an issue that the Timbers have been battling for many, many years now, and they've always sort of dismissed it when they've been asked about it uh, and, and kind of just been like, ah, that's not a thing. 
Uh, I was glad to hear Neville kind of say that. <laughs> it's like, no, that's a thing. We need to get our team together so that we are ready to play in February. Oh, and that is what 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 they need to do, uh, whether they're going to be able to do it or not, or whether they're going to make the choice, uh, the moves that they need to make uh, remains to be seen. But oh, I, I did like that. He he was pretty upfront about that. Anything else from the presser that was worth noting? The only other thing, and I thought this was just like very much in the tradition of a central midfielder who fouls an attacking player. uh sort of knowing what they're doing and, and needing to disrupt the play. And then when they get called for the foul, looking incredulously at the referee uh, and, and, and acting like the, and acting completely innocent, uh, you know, was Ned Grabovoy sort of referring to the now well-worked, uh, what was the line? We don't, we shouldn't be so quick to jump to outrage uh, kind of thing. I mean, they knew what the reaction was going to be. <laughs> don't like they knew what they were doing uh <laughs> when the reaction was exactly what everybody knew what the reaction was going to be don't don't complain about it afterwards that was his kind of first dip into that well of cynicism that i think others have drawn from more liberally so i just hope it doesn't continue um but uh you know i mean that was it, it was very much the the midfielder who fouls a guy gets called for it and then it's just like oh how can well come on <laughs> it's like yeah you, you yeah. knew what you were doing <laughs> Yeah, like there wasn't a level of sort of incredulousness, like like they could not believe that this was the reaction. But at, by that same token, there there was very much scolding happening, scolding of the fan base and the idea that, you know, look, they, they didn't just do that. They both Neville himself and grab a voice said and committed to meeting with the Timbers army and having those conversations. Now, whether those conversations actually happen and are productive is something that people obviously need to keep an eye on in the coming weeks and I will keep an eye on in the coming weeks. But, 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 you know, it's, it's still sort of this indignation that exists and we've seen it and we know it. And, you know, the, the idea that, you know, it's just a small group of people online that are just griping about it and it isn't representative like of the Davies, overall fan base is in, is in that group of people online. Like, you know, yeah, come on. And that's, that's <laughs> completely untrue when you are actually out in the soccer community and talk to people and it being an international story in this way is not just because Phil Neville used to play for Manchester United. It's because it is significant that a fan group that one of the most famous supporters groups in MLS and the world came out and said this and has this reaction. So we'll see what comes out of those meetings. And, you know, everybody I think is approaching this with the idea, at least most everybody that they're going to give Phil Neville an opportunity to say his piece and to respond to this and to be accountable in ways that the organization has not been in the last two years. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what he walks into and, and the, the leeway he has to sort of pursue not only that accountability, but to express what I think is genuine admiration for this soccer community. He's a, he compared it to Manchester, the city, you know, that, that's sort of a, you know, an easy thing for somebody to say. That's on the coach intro bingo card. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's complimenting this. It it reminds me of home. Yeah, you know, that that type of, that was more Scottish than, than, well, I wasn't doing a Neville impression. That was, that was, uh, I think, 
something from SpongeBob back <laughs> in the day. It's all just so like burned into my brain. It's either a Family Guy reference or a, a friggin' SpongeBob yeah, but, reference. but like the, the old like I feel there. at home here stuff. I want to be an attacking coach. Like that's all on the coach intro bingo card. There were a number of right. folks who who hit bing, bingo uh, after that. But pressure. he has an opportunity to bet to to mend those bridges. Is sort of yeah, is sort of and, what I'm and, saying here, and I, I think it's it's legitimate. And frankly, like. Lots of people like to criticize the discourse, the hashtag discourse. Uh, I'll I'll sit here and praise the discourse. I actually think the overwhelming majority of folks that I've seen talking about this issue have kind of approached this with, I think, a pretty responsible level of nuance. There there are not a bunch of people with pitchforks and torches calling for Phil Neville to be canceled. That's not that's not what the conversation is. I think that's the conversation that the Timbers are largely trying to engage with and respond to, but it's kind of just a non sequitur like that's not what the conversation is and nobody's really meaningfully having taking that position um and i think it's been much more nuanced about sort of the position that the timbers are in as a club and whether this is a hire that sort of reflects the kinds of things that the club needs to do in order to reestablish itself in good standing uh within the soccer community and within the portland community uh that's the question that's the issue uh it's not whether phil neville should be canceled uh you know even though that seems to be the conversation that the Timbers want to have. Moving on to the Portland Thorns who just wrapped up their season, you know, sort semi unexpectedly, but, you know, given some of the issues with inconsistency that the Thorns had this year, um, there was worry, you know, from fans that, that something like this might happen. They, they lose one zero and extra time to Gotham. Um, you know, just, just we're not at the level that you would expect from from the Portland Thorns over the last couple of years, given their talent, their experience, their wherewithal, and how how they've sort of responded to adversity throughout the last couple of seasons, um, this this era, frankly, of Portland Thorns soccer is coming to an end yeah. in a lot of respects. There are several players, some of whom have been veteran leaders on this team, who are likely to depart this off season there there are names on that free agency list that will not be in a portland thorns uniform next season that much i am i mean my my speculation that i would put a lot of money on is i don't think crystal dunn is coming back i think i i think you can basically put that in your back pocket like that yeah i think she will not be back and the thorns are gonna have to figure out how they'll how they're gonna replace her obviously her dip in form in the second half was a pretty significant factor for this team uh, and so they're going to have to figure that out, I think, is is a safe bet. And then there are, you know, questions then across the board. Yeah, I mean, Megan Klingenberg is somebody that, you know, is is a, a deeply Portland Thorns individual. And, and one would expect of all the people on that list, her to to sort of be back next year. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn is a big question, though. She, she is somebody that's been rock solid as expected along the back line is still, you know, has still has something to give to the game over the next couple of years. Keep Becky Sauerbrunn um, in this club. Yeah. Will she be back? And and then there's the, I, question I, is, like I is, hesitate to say that given how poorly my last pronouncement of, of such strength went when I said, do not hire Phil Neville. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, you I, need to just stop <laughs> suggesting things. Yeah. May, maybe I should say, you know, let Becky walk. Uh, look, the the Portland Thorns are a better club with Becky Sauerbrunn in it. Oh, period. Uh, and that is in any capacity in which she wants to be in the club. Uh, I I look at somebody of 
Becky's characteristics, the leadership characteristics, the clear intellect, the emo- both emotional and just intellectual intelligence, uh, the sophistication in terms of the issues that she's dealt with, uh, both in terms of her work with the NWSLPA, uh, helping to uh, to to get the free agency that she just talked about, uh, but also, of course, uh, her immense leadership uh, with the U.S. Women's National Team and their unbelievable uh, accomplishments over the course of this generation. And you want Becky Sauerbrunn in this club for absolutely as long as you can have her in whatever capacity she wants to be here. Becky wants to be, uh, wants to lead the soccer side of the operation. That, that would not be a bad idea. Um, so like keep Becky Sauerbrunn in this club is, is, is what I'll say. Knowing that my track record with such pronouncements is uh, not great. Yeah. The other free agents are done who as, as, you noted like they're if I had to guess and this isn't you know based on anything specific but if I had to guess I, w- I would guess that she's not going to be back there are a lot of factors there as as to why that would happen um, being a focal point of a different team with less attacking talent is one of them um, the I think we need to acknowledge the obvious too I mean yeah the obvious one is 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 her husband was fired by the team um, under circumstances that it's my understanding she is. And certainly in the public eye, she's with. been a real professional about that. And she is, she's been a, a, a tremendous professional throughout her time in Portland. Oh um, yeah. And is beloved yeah. by people in the locker room. And, and, and so that, that's not a criticism of, of crystal by any means. That's not throwing shade at crystal by any means. Oh, um, that's, I think just an acknowledgement of the reality of that situation. And I think the understandable reality of that situation. Yeah, and free agency discussions are happening now, and you would expect that there have been a lot of teams that are interested in bringing Crystal on in this league and potentially even other leagues. She's, no she's still got a lot to give to the game in her own right. But yeah, when she's exactly. playing well, I mean, and, what we saw in the first half, when she's playing well, she's still, I mean, in that first half, it wasn't Sophia Smith and Sam Coffey in the MVP discussion. It was Sophia Smith and Crystal Dunn. And then she yeah. nonsensically played left back at the at the World Cup because interesting decisions were made with the women's national team under Vlatko and Anofsky promise of a brighter future ahead uh, in that regard, nonsensically played left back. Uh, that wasn't great. Came back and not in great form. Uh, who knows about health stuff as, as well? I mean, it's very common for folks to be carrying knocks and things like that that can affect their performance, but wasn't the same player. Uh, yeah. And the, the world cup really messed a lot of things up for, for the thorns in, in many respects, but it's also you like, know, that's it, just a thing. The NWSL has to deal with every fourth year. Yeah. Right? I mean, everybody else deals with it. The thorns more than others, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of the deal. And, and so, you know, crystal is going to be a free agent. Becky is going to be a free agent. Klingenberg probably would stay, but you know, maybe she sees an opportunity elsewhere. Uh, Natalia Quica, Tegan McGrady, uh, Taylor Porter, sink but she's coming back and michelle vasconcelos now porter and quica are restricted free agents so the thorns retain their rights and can basically match offers it's the same concept as like if you follow the nba it's the same type of restricted free agency with some slight differences vasconcelos has a mutual option with the thorns which has yet to be officially exercised um when it comes to that number 10 spot and sort of filling the gap where Dunn would likely depart. 
um, you would think that Olivia Moultrie would probably be the person that carries that torch into next year. And and the the biggest additional question for the offseason for the Thorns, as you have repeatedly brought up online and that we've discussed on this podcast, is the contract extension for Sophia Smith. And that is something that is the foundational most important move that this club is probably ever going to make. It is the death star looming over the thorns planet right now. It, it is. And, and the, the uncertainty about the sale about, about the sale and sort of what that looks like um, in terms of the front office and, and how it's structured and who's, who's there after the sale happens puts, puts that into question. And if I'm Sophia Smith, I, I, obviously want to look at all of my options, but if I'm the Portland thorns, I'm going Defcon five backing up the Brinks truck for Sophia Smith, because yeah. this is a, this is as big a signing as putting Luke Skywalker in an X wing and like, you know, doing anything that, that can be done to, you know, get the death star like out, out of our orbit. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I, I truly mean that, that that is sort of like the, from the on field perspective, that is the thing that is, looming over everything right now extending Sophia Smith and if they can't extend Sophia Smith making the difficult decisions that need to be made to prevent the kind of situation in which they would be looking at a situation where she might walk for free for nothing next year so that's all concerning (laughs) that's all very concerning but you know there's even a higher level layer I mean, maybe the Sophia Smith situation is like a, an Imperial battle cruiser. And then there's like an additional death star, like up, up above that. Um, it's whatever the death star is. That was sort of like the, the, the sequel movie death. Star, yeah. The one that was like built into a plan. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Uh, so the, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, a lot of the reason why, uh, I guess I'll start here. This off season, is the first time that we're really going to have an opportunity, I think, to assess Karina LeBlanc's sort of prowess as a team-building GM. I think she's been a a leadership presence within the club over the last couple of years. But when it comes to roster building, she really hasn't done much at all. There have been moves sort of on the fringes. There have been sort of some depth pieces that have sort of come in and out, as always happens. Um but I mean, the most significant signing that that LeBlanc's made is Janine Becky. Otherwise, it's been run it back from a core that's been together for a while now. That's not the yeah, case, and that that's also you know in some ways an understandable approach. Totally, like because, you know, I, I, because of the talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Level. I, yes, I, I, but, you know, but, I, but I see I, what you're I'm saying. I'm not saying that that she should have broken up that core and 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 done different things. I I don't think that would have made sense. Oh. So, you know, it's, I think there there are fair points to be made about whether they did enough to sort of add to that depth uh, and that maybe there were issues, especially late in the season, with not having a whole lot of weapons that were effective to bring off the bench. Um, I think those are totally fair, but I also think those are pretty common types of criticisms in, in this sort of position. Uh, but that's not going to be the case this year. This year, there are there are going to be sort of fundamental, deeper changes that are going to have to be made, and deep and bigger decisions on the roster side that are going to have to be made. And this is the first time that that is falling squarely in Karina's lap. And and so, like, we're kind of going to find out what she's made of uh, this winter. 
Now the other question, <laughs> and 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 that second level Death Star is what kind of imprimatur does she have from ownership to go make those moves? And I don't think we know the answer to that question. Uh, you know, that is, uh, frankly, I had harbored a lot of hope, maybe a fool's hope, but hope uh, that the sale would be done by now so that she could have clear direction from ownership as to what she can do and the money she can spend and those kinds of things going into this offseason. Yeah, because the money is there. There's money there, especially from the Lindsay Horan deal. It's just a matter of whose money Who, is and whether spending. and whether it's they're gonna actually spend it. And I am concerned that there's that she's sort of gonna be caught in a little bit of an interregnum, uh, in which there is no clear direction, there is no imprimatur from ownership, and they're sort of just caught. Um uh, and and so you know, I had hoped that the sale would be done by now, so that there could be direction and it could be you know full speed ahead into the future. But sadly, it's not. And so the question then becomes: When will the sale be done? Uh, and what sort of direction uh, is she getting in the interim? And I I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that I've seen the answer to that reported or even hinted or any of that. Uh, and so. Uh, you know, I, I think that is the other, in addition to the Sophia Smith issues, which are tied into all of these issues, uh, that is the other big question sort of looming over the Thorns offseason, an offseason that does need to be transformational and does need to be pretty fundamentally transformational. I, I, I don't know how to assess even their ability to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're not... You know, we're not in those rooms. We aren't facing the sort of challenges that that Karina is, is facing. And, you know, that this is a big off season for for that front office and, and, you know, for her. But we don't know what those limitations look like. And we don't know if if that freedom exists for to her to sort of exert that that influence and make those moves with a lame duck ownership. And when with, you know, a transition that is going to happen that may or may not include her and others in, in the organization, we we don't know what the, the owners totally. that are coming in, what their vision is going to be. You would think they would want to maintain stability and, you know, give somebody like Karina a chance, give Mike Norris a chance to continue on as coach, which is a different discussion. But sometimes obviously. new owners have different ideas and want to take a, the then want to take the club sort of in their own direction. Right. And that's that's up to them. You know, there's no there's no conditions of sale that say you have to keep necessarily these employees or that employees. There are conditions of sale where employees are shared, which I think is a discussion to have at a later date and is obviously a possibility given the connection to the timbers that exists there and what that looks like in terms of the sale and its structure is a future discussion altogether. Um but but look, it's it's not an ideal scenario to be in when you're Karina LeBlanc because this is a pivotal offseason for the team in order to build out its future and sort of transition into a new era. And we don't quite know what level of freedom there is to make that transition. Could this ownership change, which everybody around the team, the players, the you know coaches, many of the staff fans in particular this ownership change is necessary in their view 
and is a positive step forward for a club that needs to sort of break itself out of the turmoil and trauma of the last several years. But from a soccer standpoint, it could have these, you know, adverse effects just based on the timing, which is unfortunate if it's, that does end up being the it's case. It's very unfortunate if that does end up being the case. And it's, I think, candidly, a little bit hard to understand uh, because we've seen the Chicago Red Stars who went up for sale around the same time. That is done. Laura Ricketts is in charge. That was installed. They have a direction for the future. Whether it's a good direction or a bad direction, who knows? But they have a direction for the future, and and, and they're going with it. It sounds like the OL rain sale, uh, even though that came up significantly after the the Thorn sale, it sounds like that is nearing a point where it is going to be done soon, unless something gets derailed. Uh, There was reporting just yesterday that the Sounders are looking to buy the rain, which is something that people in Seattle have, have longed for for a long time, to unify those two teams within the same club. Uh, it sounds like that's a real possibility and then it may be happening soon. Uh, we don't have any reporting like that on the thorns. And so we are sort of left in a, you know, other than done by the end of the year, maybe, uh, that's, that's sort of what we're left with. Uh, and frankly, if, if this is a December 31 close on the sale, the thorns are going to be behind the eight ball. Uh, in terms of being ready for 2024 and given all of the things that we've talked about. So, I mean, I, I think that's the, that is the concern. That is the question now uh, for, for the off season and how the thorns are going to navigate those things. And it's going to be hard for Karina LeBlanc. That's why I say, I mean, we're going to really find out what she's made of uh, over the course of these next three or four months, because the, it's a challenging situation with a lot of changes that need to be made that would be challenging under even the best of circumstances. And she finds herself in far from the best of circumstances. So I hope she does well. Uh, but this is, this is her moment. Uh, she's up now. Uh, and you know, just as, just as, you know, players get put in, in a big moment when they step to up for a penalty kick or they step up for a big free kick. This is, this is Karina LeBlanc's moment. And we'll see how it goes. And she's she has stood in front of her fair share of those penalty kicks over over the years. Certainly has has made some amazing saves and been been a beast in in her own right. Certainly has on Um, on the field. Now she's got to do it off. Yep. And and that's a big test for sure. And and I think she's she's got the, you know, the wherewithal to to make make those type of decisions. It's just, you know, there there are a lot of other people (laughs) involved in things like that. And that's that's another thing that you know, fans who who follow any sports team on the outside may not sort of recognize is the idea that yes, the general manager is the person that guides the guides the hand and makes makes a lot of the big decisions. But there are a lot of voices in those rooms, and there are a lot of things, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on the situation, that are out of a general manager's control. That sale and the process therein is one of them. Looking at this team and looking at sort of the structure of the roster and, you know, the potential for losing a couple players to the expansion draft, which is coming up in a couple weeks, uh, and then free agency and everything That's else. That's a much smaller um, star. 
out there. Yeah, it's it's, it's like a, but it's it's there's going to be poaching happening. Yeah, it, the it's like an have a really talented roster. Yeah, <laughs> like it, and and there are, I don't believe any limitations in terms of the number of players that can be picked from an individual team. My understanding of the rules is that once one of your players is picked, you, you can get to add an another. additional protected player. And so it it whittles it down, but you can still lose a couple of players and if anybody is going to do that lose multiple to expansion it would probably be the thorns because there are some seriously talented not only young players but experienced players on this roster this is though a moment where the thorns having so many players entering free agency might actually help them (laughs) huge huge w because all of those players under this uh, under the rules of this expansion draft are protected without having to use a protection yeah. slot. I mean, so so all the players that we listed that are free agents, you know, Crystal Dunn, Klingenberg, Sauerbrunn, and the like, are all protected without having to use. I believe it's the eight or eight or nine yeah. spots. And and so. you know, even if they weren't sort of formally protected, they would be sort of they would be de facto protected, right? Because as free agents, you can't sort of get rid of a player's free agent rights, free agency rights with, through the expansion draft. So. If an expansion team was foolish enough to choose a player who is a free agent, that player could nullify that selection in, in essence by just being like, no, <laughs> I do not want to. I don't want to sign with you. Uh, and then they could sign with anybody else. So I, I, as a practical matter, even even if not as a formal matter, uh, those players are not really among the pool who are likely to be selected. Uh, and so that does make it a little bit easier for the Thorns to navigate uh, that. So, th- you know, the Thorns aren't going to have to protect Christine Sinclair, even though she is almost certain to come back. Uh, they don't have to protect Becky Sauerbrunn, even though I think there is there are factors that that could very well lead to her coming back, although it's not a certainty. Uh, and, and you know, they don't have to protect Megan Klingenberg. I'm not sure they would anyway. Uh, but, they, they you know, I mean, th- those kinds of things uh, make it a little bit easier Oh, but yeah, it's 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 a big question uh, as to uh, who the thorns will lose and and whether uh, whether those uh, will be damaging losses. I think when you look at the roster, it's probably pretty easy to come up with nine that they would protect and be not devastated if they lost others. Uh, And and so I'm not overly stressed, I guess I should say, about the expansion draft with the thorns. I think in years past, they have been more exposed than they are this year. And this might be the moment where the little bit of the lack of depth that we saw at the end of the year might benefit them uh, for this very narrow particular purpose. Yeah, running through the roster sort of in in reverse alphabetical order. (laughs) Um, Weaver, protect. Sugita, Sophia Smith. Rocky Rodriguez, probably not. Mult Rocky's a maybe. Yeah, Moultrie definitely sort of was slow. Moultrie definitely. Coffee um, definitely. Coffee definitely. Probably uh, Reyes definitely. Reyes, yeah, and then maybe Dequila as well. Just given maybe. her youth and and potential there. The the ones that are on the fringe are are people like Dequila, like Kelly Hubley, um, you know. Where they with Rocky Bella Bixby and Shelby Hogan after that that last selection, I think they'll protect one of them to be sure. Which yeah. of the two? Uh, I think will will be driven by their internal assessment of the future of the two. Right. 
so so that you know there are a couple of, of faces you know rocky would obviously be a really tough loss um I, losing either of the keepers i think is is a difficult scenario to be in just given the fact that you know keeping good keepers on your roster is not necessarily an easy thing yeah. and having two of them that you re- can rely on right now is the good. thorns though have done a great job i don't know of if you should producing goalkeepers in the last and yeah, developing they, goalkeepers they in the last several years and so i mean you know they need they need to protect one of them uh i'm sure nadine Anger will have a perspective on which of the two uh they they want to commit to long term Oh. They might not, though. They might not use a protection slot on a goalkeeper. I think you probably have like, to protect at least one of them. Even if you think you might make a signing in that position, you got to protect one. Uh, and with nine spots, I mean, we came up with just, just then, what, five or six folks who were definite protects? One of those other three is going to go to a goalkeeper. Maybe. Maybe. I, they, they still have Lauren Kozel, too, who you know, was out all this year as a rookie um, because of a knee injury. So, you know, that, that is an insurance policy if you lose one of them. But I mean, if I'm, if I'm an expansion team and Bella Bixby is sitting there, I, I would, they have a lot of selections. I would, I would use it on somebody like Bella. She's an incredibly talented keeper. You know, it's, she had a rough season by her standards in terms of statistics and particularly down the stretch to the point where they went with Hogan in that final game. Um, but look, she's got she's got a lot of experience and is very talented. And, and Hogan's another one that like you look at what happened with Abby Smith last year um, with the Thorns. Like she she went to Gotham um, even and was sort of the second, third keeper for the Thorns and, and has proven herself to be a starting level keeper. So stuff like that happens. And, and there's there's going to be painful departures for sure. Inevitably, this offseason, Sauerbrunn even spoke about it at the press conference that, you know, she, she mentioned these women in this locker room, this is sort of the last time we're going to be together, that sort of thing. Um, and the emotions that people are experiencing with that. And that's, that's tough for them. I mean, this, this was, you know, an incredible group to put together in sort of the last maybe super team era of NWSL, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of parody in NWSL because all the teams are, are friggin' stacked. You know, right. Like all 12 teams, for the most part, have a lot of talent um, either in pockets or across the board. And there's going to be 14 teams next year, yeah, probably 15 or 16 the year it, after. It's, it's only going to spread thinner. Yeah. And and so not only is it special because of the sort of relationships that those players had with one another, but, you know, these type of teams are just not going to be nearly as common in the future in NWSL. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Uh you know, so you, we'll see how the thorns end up navigating uh, the expansion draft. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not hugely stressed about it. Uh, I think the biggest place, the biggest sort of positional group where you're, we're going to see a lot of turnover uh, and and have a lot of uncertainty heading into 2024 is in defense. Uh, look, you know, I think the only player who I would confidently say will be starting for the thorns on their back line next year is Rana Reyes. And other than that, I think it's totally up in the air. I mean, do the Thorns bring back Emily Menges? Do the Thorns bring back Kelly Hubley? Those are the kinds of players who very well could be selected in in an expansion draft. Would the Thorns be all that tortured to have to move on from either? I don't think so. I mean, Hubley's clearly sort of fell out of favor toward the end of the year. Uh, Menges is 
sort of been a part-time starter. She's had some good performances, but I, I don't think she's solidified herself as a, as an, or re-solidified herself uh, as an absolute starting center back going forward. Becky Sauerbrunn is a free agent uh, at left back. You know, I mean, uh, Natalia Kuika, I think is, uh, is a question at right back at left back. Megan Klingenberg is a free agent. Uh, Tegan McGrady is a free, free agent. I, I mean, you look across, we could have a back line that is 75% new in 2024. And, and so, you know, I think that's the area where we're likely to see the biggest changes. And I think that makes sense, uh, given the performance of, of especially late in this year, uh, and where those changes can come from. I think they need to do some real thinking about how they're going to put together their midfield, but it just helps that you've got Sam Coffey as the cornerstone of that midfield. That is a tremendous cornerstone and it's not hard to build any, uh, uh, an effective midfield when you've got a, an anchor like that. Uh, and then in the attack, you know, the, the massive questions about Sophia Smith and her future, uh, whether if they're not able or they don't feel like they're getting traction on an extension, whether they're, they have the wherewithal to make the hard choice about whether to move on then to look to move Sophia Smith in this window. Obviously, plan A is an extension. But if plan A isn't possible or doesn't look like it's coming to fruition, what do you do? What is plan B? And the tempting plan B is, well, just bring her back next year and see what happens. But that's the plan that has maybe the worst possible outcome, right? Which is losing one of the best players in the world for nothing. Yeah, and losing out on what would be an historic payday. A historic. And yes. It, oh, it, is it, the, it, the rule, you, the rule is up? phonetic. Uh so uh if if essentially if the H is silent, Anne is correct. So it's an honor because you don't start with the sound. But any word that you start with the consonant sound, uh it's A. So a historic achievement and honor. Go ahead. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Thank you, sir. This is this has been grammar made in Portland. Um, yeah, look, it it's it's pivotal. It's huge. It's it's all the things, all the all the superlatives that we've said. Um, and and I I think they're keenly aware of that, right? It would be obviously a deeply unpopular move in Portland to transfer Sophia Smith to a different club but it might be the <laughs> right one if you're not going to be able to extend her and you can go out and you can get yourself a bag of assets which you would get for Sophia Smith uh, yes. you would get a bag of assets for her either in a trade or a transfer um, if you're not going to be able to extend her they need to really think about that and that's I mean look those are the hard choices that executives have to make that's why it's hard to be a GM because sometimes you are faced with that kind of a choice and you need to make that call. And sometimes the worst thing you can do is just not. And, and so, you know, if plan B is just run it back for 2020, run it back for 2024 and see what happens. The thorns just need to know that that is the plan that has maybe the biggest blow up in their face ability. And then maybe they need to consider plan C which would be being proactive and making a move this, this off season. Yeah. I, I, 
I am not connected with clubs in England and Spain. I don't have contacts there. But there is very little doubt in my mind that clubs over there, and frankly in NWSL, are absolutely uh, beep, 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 backing up the truck yeah. for for Soph. And, and in particular, I think clubs in England, which are seeing greater investment in their women's clubs to a point that and, and clubs you know, in France too. they're bringing yeah clubs in France I mean there there is there's strong possibility across the board that that they would and maybe they already have made those sort of approaches to to Soph's representation because why wouldn't you I mean right? you don't think Michelle Kong's group in uh in Lyon is looking at this of course they are they obviously are <laughs> I've got good recommendations for restaurants in that town. If, uh, if I've heard, I've heard Leon's really nice. Oh yeah. It's like the culinary capital of the that world, nice. essentially. Um, so it, it's, it's phenomenal. I've, I visited there, uh, at the end of 2021. Nice. So that was like the tail end of COVID travel where, you know, things were very weird and restrictive and kind of difficult, but also, you know, people were excited and back out yeah. into the world. So that was a fun time, but for the sake of Portland Thorns fans, they're hoping that there is no international trip on Sophia Smith's ledger come the end of next or season domestic. because that, <laughs> yeah, or domestic for that matter. Just no, she's just doesn't, she's not allowed to leave is, is sort of their attitude with it. But, um, you know, it's, it's the big, the big Q it's the, it's the big question. In she's, this she might be, she, I, I've said this before. She might be the most powerful person in Portland soccer right now. I think she is. I think she's got the most leverage and the most power and the most influence. If right Soph wants to get something point. done here in Portland, she has the power to get something done here in Portland. Uh, if she wants to blaze a trail out of Portland, she's got the power to do that too. Blaze the trail. <laughs> there have been some trails blazed out of Portland recently. There's there's some trail blazing going on. The trail blazers lost last night to the Kings in overtime. Um but this is not a Trailblazers podcast. This is a soccer podcast. And so any additional thoughts on, on this Thorns offseason as, as we head into it? Any, any additional reflections maybe on the season gone by? You know, I, I mean, it, everything is uncertain because of the ownership situation. Everything is uncertain. And there's a ton of pressure on, on Karina to, to navigate the club through this uncertainty and through what needs to be a transformational uh, off season. Uh, but I mean, everything is uncertain uh, based on when the sale happens, who's going to buy all of those questions. Uh, and you know, that's, that's not, that's not an optimal position to be uh, when you're at a point where something clearly came to an end, you know, you've, you've, made multiple end of an era references. I have not once made a Taylor Swift joke uh, as uh, in, to any of them. Um, but I think that's right. Clearly this era did come to an end late in this season. And I think the, the, the loss to Gotham was disappointing, but in, in many, many respects, not that surprising. Like it was kind of the truth that we all knew, but nobody was willing to say that this team that we've seen over the course of the last few months wasn't championship caliber. And that the era of excellence that the Thorns have had ended a few months ago. 
And so now they need to figure out what the next year is going to be. And that's a really hard task, given all the uncertainty right now. I mean, we we hope it would be lovely uh, if we could come on this podcast next week and talk about the sale uh, that was just completed. I don't necessarily expect that to be the case. Oh, uh, and so we're just going to have to wait. But until that happens, that uncertainty is going to linger over everything. Uh, and in moments of uncertainty, you need strong leaders. And the one who is the person who is in that position now is Karina LeBlanc. So, Karina, step up to the spot. It, it, it's on you now. That'll wrap it for us this week on Soccer Made in Portland. Uh, we will keep our eye on the news over the next couple of weeks. Probably won't have a pod next week unless some big stuff comes across on either team's front going to be more of a quiet couple weeks for the thorns than it will be for the timbers by my estimation um ned grabavoy mentioned the possibility of you know announcements regarding the departure of, of, of multiple players whether that's sebastian blanco or others um we will see but next time we see you is when we will see you so follow us on twitter at Ryan T. Clark, at Chris Reifer, at Soccer Maiden PDX. Like, subscribe, review, suggest, discuss, do whatever you want to do. We will catch you next time. Thanks.